Well, good morning. It is so great to be in God's house and praise him this morning. I, I, I'm finding joy just uh, worshiping with you. I wish that ke- could keep going. Um, if we've not met, my name is Ken, and I'm the pastor here. Um, whether you're watching online right now or whether you're here in person, it, it's, it's good to be in God's house, and I, and I hope that you're all filled with joy from him this morning. I, I want to start today by reading a short parable of Jesus. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order and then goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last day of the person is worse than the first. And as he said these things, A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 11. Well, how is this parable there relevant to us? You know, it's one that's always kind of mystified me a little bit. I don't know about you. And I have an illustration that might help us understand it. That's why I have all this here. Um, Who here would like to have more joy in their life? More peace. Okay. More happiness. Right? I I think everybody's here would like that, right? Um, But what if we are all often attempting it Attempting achieving that the wrong way. You know, last week I talked about the ordinary demonic of division. That that Satan's main weapon against us is deception. And I, I believe one of his greatest deceptions is that the supernatural has to be super. Extreme. Actually... How the demonic affects us is pretty ordinary and simple in everyday life. Now, if that is true, could the solution be just as simple? Right? What if we thought of ourselves like this glass of water, like a container, like this glass that holds water? And, you know, there's influences that come to us in the world that pollute us. Hatred, anger, unforgiveness. There's other things that pollute us from the world. Our jealousies of what other people have, coveting, right? And then... There's our fears, things that pollute us, things that we become afraid of. They take away our peace. And finally, you know, everything kind of darkens us and, and clouds us and disrupts our joy. Just living in this world. I'm not as good a cook as Matt. 
Now, how are we going to get this out of here? It's the way most of us try to do in our life. We try to remove it, right? How effective am I going to be trying to remove? I might get a little piece of relish, but how effective am I going to be to remove this? How is this ever going to come clean? The demonic lie is that we can get rid of it all on our own, right? That we can get rid of this on our own, that we can clean ourselves up and find that peace, that joy, and that happiness. And it's up to our effort that we can do this. It's impossible, isn't it? I mean, can you think of a way I could get this out of the glass? You know, the only way is to take the impurities out of this glass, is this. Other than a little chocolate sauce, this is clean. Right? It's clean. And the the message today is that simple. So we need to be filled. You can just push it off the side a little bit, Steve. That's that's good there. Um, With living water. You know, Jesus gave us the answer in John 7, 37 and 38, when he said, if anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Were the impurities removed? That's what Jesus is saying. Was it my effort, really, in removing them? It was the water. It displaced it. See, most of us are trying to remove the sins or the bad elements of our lives. We all want to get rid of the garbage in our lives. Things like fear, things like depression, things like anger, things like hatred, all those things that steal our joy and steal our, our happiness. But, but our attempts to remove the problem does not work because the problem is everywhere. It's all around us. It's in us. The real answer is coming to an unlimited source of what we want. God is full of joy, gladness, hope. And filling ourselves with that, not the effort of removing what we don't want. Let me ask you, do you guys thirst for something better in life? No? Yeah? (laughs) You can talk back to me. (laughs) Yeah. Ask yourself, what's your focus on right now? Is your focus on removing all the bad things from your life or adding something good? You know, if you've been to Crosswinds for a while, you might have heard me say, if you, if you do the do, you don't do the don't. And I learned that when I was on a mission trip. And on that trip, I noticed our team uh, of like eight people were so busy working together, there was something unusual going on. 
There was not the typical thing you see in groups of people. There was no jealousy. There was no fighting. There was no fear. There was no lusting. There was no gossip, no complaining. We're all just too busy doing the do that we couldn't do the don't. We're all just busy praying, sharing God's word, serving others, having gospel conversations with others. Our time was so full of God's priorities, we had no room for the other stuff that became a distraction. See, our, our natural evil tendencies are to simply replace God with other things. But the way that bring better things to your life is to replace the bad with the good. If you don't do the do, you don't do the don't. I mean, if you do the do, you won't do the don't. You know, there's a woman that started hanging out with us and our team from the community, and we thought she was there to help us. You know, the truth we found out later is she was part of a satanic cult. She was there to distract us. She was there to destroy our work. She pretended to be a believer to deceive us. And we were so busy paying attention to what we were doing for God that we had no idea of the plot against us. You know what happened to her? Doing the do with us filled her up so much she didn't have room for the don't, and she became a believer in Jesus and a valuable partner in ministry with us. Amen? That's what I believe this passage is about. You don't remove evil from your lives by trying to take it out. You you do it by filling your lives with good. If you have a bad habit and you just remove it, it creates a void in your vessel, which tends to get filled with other bad habits. Unless you intentionally fill that void with a healthy habit. A vessel like that, that glass, are meant to be filled. And I believe all of our hearts have a a God-sized space in it that only can be filled by Him. And if we don't fill it with Him, it'll get filled with something else. And I believe that that's what Jesus is trying to say to us in this passage. So, So let's look a little closer to these verses. He says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, and it finds none, and it says, I will return to my house from which I came. In this parable, Jesus is saying that there are forces, there are demonic forces that are unclean, that evil does exist and does seek to do us harm. And Jesus said right before this, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. See, the Bible says, There is God's kingdom of light, and there is Satan's kingdom of darkness, which is against us. But here's the problem. We all try to live in a polluted, like that water in that bowl now, kingdom of gray, mixing the two. Attempting, then, just to remove a little of the darkness from ourselves. But friends, there's no third kingdom, according to Jesus. You're either with him or against him. There's no middle ground. Think about light when it comes into a room. It, it dispels the darkness. Darkness flees. It goes away. It's the same with fresh water 
dispelling the impurities in that glass. The, w- the way to get rid of fear, depression, hatred, and anger is not to learn to cope with them or to try to fix them, but to dispel them by bringing in more light. The parable shows how the ordinary demonic works. Let, let's say we try to cast out evil from our lives. We try to clean up ourselves and put our house in order by ourselves. You know, evil may seem to leave for a while. You know, those bad things start to leave for a while because they've been cast out by our own efforts of either religion or, or self-improvement. But from what Jesus is saying, that demonic influence is still lurking out there. It's, it's passing through waterless places. Evil's not gone. It's just traveling around in waterless places, those places without the living water of God, the places around us. And the demon is looking for a place to rest. It likes to find rest where there is depression, where there's anger, where there's hatred, where there's unforgiveness, and when there's fear. See, that's a comfortable environment for a demon to rest in. Now, maybe you've done some personal cleaning and have an empty house, which is good. But there's a problem. That demonic is still seeking rest. And this is Jesus' warning to us. If, you, if your house is empty, if it's not filled with living water, you're vulnerable. The demon looks around and he says, hey, I'll go back to the house where I came from. There's nothing to stop me. I can pollute it again. There's no guard at the door. I already know the layout. It's comfortable. There's a good couch in there. And when he gets there, he sees that you've made a lot of space for him. So he remembers the companions he found as he's out traveling around in those waterless places. He says, hey, guys, I know a good unguarded place for us all to rest and have a party. There's a place that's all cleaned up for us already. They did the work for us. There's no water there. It's perfect. Where does the demon say he's going back to? My house. He wants to own you. And he considered you a good place to own because it's empty. It's unguarded. There's no water there. The parable says, and when he comes and he finds the house swept and put in order, then he goes and he brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last day of that person is worse than the first. Yeah, you focused on putting everything in order yourself. And that's what the demon finds attractive when he returns. One sign of the ordinary demonic in our lives is disorder or or chaos. And because you have your own order, it feels like you're home, but it's a place now that they can create disorder and chaos. They, They love to mess with your order. Jesus has already said earlier in this passage that you're not the strong man who can guard the place and keep it ordered. It'll be plundered unless there's a stronger man. And, and since Jesus, the strong man's not there, there's no living water, the place is empty, and a demon can say, hey, it's party time. Notice the text says demon, the demon brings seven spirits who are worse. See, maybe you're strong enough to defend yourself. You become strong enough to defend yourself against your own one demon. 
you know, that thing that, that troubles you. And, and you've, you've cleaned up your mess. But Jesus is saying an unfilled house, a house not filled by him, there are worse threats that can come. Do you notice that? Worse. They're worse. And they also gang up on you. And the Bible says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. First uh, Corinthians ten twelve. Uh, a clean, ordered house, unguarded, is going to be a problem. Have you ever had in your life a time when you've conquered something you've struggled with? And you may think, now I've got this handled. And, and then some new stresses come into your life and you find yourself battling your old demons again. Most of us, you know, have had some victories over things in our lives. You know, in addiction settings, people tend to replace one addiction or one struggle for another. Yeah, they don't, they don't drink anymore, but they're starting to lose control with cigarettes and food. You may be strong and you don't look at porn anymore, but now you're raging in your anger. And often we become worse off for our own disciplined efforts. We remove one thing and something else may be stronger replaces that empty space in our lives. Jesus is teaching in this parable the problem of self-effort and self-discipline alone. Often we get a little bit of religion just a little bit, enough to clean up our act on the outside. We don't appear so flesh-driven anymore. We're cleaned up. We got a little makeup on. We're looking good to the world. After all, we're not sleeping around anymore, and we're not hitting the bar every night, and we don't steal things that people can see, just things they can't. And our anger is suppressed. And everybody around us thinks that we're all cleaned up, but on the inside, anger and bitterness fester and create disorder. And they, they start to rob us of our peace. And our pride makes us angry at other people. And we don't say anything. We just rage silently inside. And because our anger is internal and it's suppressed, we get depressed. Because depression often is just frozen anger. The outside of the house may be painted neatly. Calm colors. But fear still has dominion in your heart. All the effort we make putting the outside together can tend to make more stress on our lives. giving more room for the demons to party. It it creates more chaos in your empty house. With all your fruitless self-improvement and religious activity, everything in your house looks in order, but from what Jesus is saying, you're eight times worse for the effort to try to unpollute yourself. Remember Jesus, who he's talking to? He's talking to a group of Pharisees. The people, everybody thought had their houses in order. These are the kind of guys you'd like to be your neighbors. They did all the right things. They gave at church. They were at church all the time. You would love them in your neighborhood. 
Just don't cross them. Don't offend their pride. Don't let any of your disorder in life affect their disorder or you'll see their demons ooze out. These nice religious people were the same ones yelling, crucify him about an innocent man, Jesus, because he offended them because they had jealousy and they had pride inside. Jesus said of the Pharisees that they were all cleaned up on the outside of the cup, but inside were filthy, full of evil. You know, I, I spilled a little chocolate on the glass. It's kind of on the lip, but let's say it was on the outside. It wouldn't be very difficult to, oh, it was on the outside. Perfect illustration. Not that, so everything's good, right? I just cleaned it up, cleaned up my life not that difficult to deal with the outside it's the inside right that seems impossible to clean out on our own no matter how clean the outside is there are times in our lives when the messy stench of the inside oozes out full strength Because there's no water to dilute it and flush it out. The only way to deal with the mess on the inside is to come to the real strong man and be filled constantly by his spirit to daily flush the mess out. Flowing, living water. Jesus is telling us not to be fooled by external religious practices that don't invite him in to create order where it really matters on the inside. You can't just have a little Jesus on the outside, like going to church every couple of weeks, sharing a a chain prayer on Facebook every once in a while, posting religious graphics on Instagram and maybe listening to a Christian song every once in a while. That's not having Jesus on the inside. Following Jesus is about an ongoing relationship where living water daily is constantly cleaning your house. In in John 15, Jesus says, Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And then he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. A little Jesus, hi, I'm, 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 I've got an echo. <laughs> Somebody's using the app. <laughs> My wife's being an online ambassador, saying hi to all the, the online people. Hello, online people. <laughs> so, um, you know, a little Jesus and a little of our own religious effort on the outside does nothing, is what he's saying. He needs to dwell in us. Or something else will. That's what the parable is saying. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let them come to me. He does not say, let them come to church. He does not say, let them come and do this religious ritual. He does not say, just avoid the bad things or the things that you would think are bad and sinful. He doesn't say that to us. He says, come fill yourself with me. Let me dwell in you. Drink so much that it leaves no room for the pollutants 
and, 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 and so that when that happens, then it overflows and becomes a blessing to others. This is a perfect picture of evangelism. That was the word of advice from the only man without sin. You know, we're not here to practice some religious duty every Sunday morning. That's not what he was talking about. How did Jesus tell us not to fear? In Matthew 6, he said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That was a whole passage on fear. And he says, seek first the kingdom. Fill yourself with me and the fears will go away. I've, I've seen that happen in my own life. Jesus says, you replace your fears by coming to him. Everybody has fears. Everybody has doubts. Everybody has anxiety. No matter how much money you have, no matter how put together you are on the outside, no matter how intelligent you are, that, that demonic fearful thinking does not go away. Often, the harder we try to eliminate it by becoming successful, having money, self-improving our lives, trying to make our house in order ourselves, the, the greater our anxiety actually becomes. Anxiety is not really the big issue for the poor in Africa and Haiti. They struggle with less. Anxiety is an American problem where we have so much and we think our lives are so ordered that we don't need God. See, every bus in Haiti has something about Jesus written on it. God is there. There's a peace that's there. Africa is often the same in different places. America has become a waterless place for demonic activity to have parties and create anxiety for us in us and in our children. Probably the number one issue facing our young people today. It's a $50 billion industry for big pharma to medicate. $50 billion industry. Now let's do a little experiment. Everybody right now, please don't think of a pink elephant. Whatever you do, don't think of a pink elephant. No, do not imagine a pink elephant with polka dots on its butt. Um, please, clear your mind of all pink elephants. Come on. Don't think about that herd of pink elephants going through your mind. Um, discipline yourself not to think of pink elephants. Now, be honest. What are you thinking about? Green monkey. Okay. Well, that's weird, but that's okay. Um, so how do you get rid of a pink elephant? You concentrate your thoughts on a blue one. Jesus is the blue elephant, folks. Fill your thoughts with him and his gospel, and demonic anxiety disappears. Paul says the same thing. Do not be anxious about anything, but come and pray, and peace will come. Our peace does not come from our effort to clean our house. Instead, it comes in a way that surpasses our understanding by being filled with him. That's what Paul is saying. The Apostle Paul says this, Rejoice, again I say rejoice, let your reasonableness be evident to all. The Lord is at hand. 
The demonic of depression is pushed out when we focus on gratitude, gratitude to Jesus for what he has done for us. When we fill our hearts with rejoicing in God, a God who loves us, then depressive thoughts start to evaporate. They're pushed out because they're unreasonable in the light of the magnitude of God's love for us, that he would come to this earth and die for us, and that he promised to always be with us. And the more we focus on him, that goes away. When we are filled with him, there is no room for the demonic to create fear, depression, and steal our joy. But instead of inviting him in, we often invite medications to try to order our feelings with prescription drugs or entertainment or shopping or eating or other distractions. The Bible says you'll be transformed with the renewing of your mind. Think of a hard drive. You can erase all the bad data off it, but it doesn't get rid of it, does it? Even if you delete it from your recycle bin, if you got stuff you don't want people to see, this doesn't work just to get it out of your recycle bin. If the FBI wanted to retrieve it and convict you of a crime, they could. They have tools that can still see the data. You could get those tools yourself. The demonic reminds you of the bad data constantly on your drive. They, they do that to create fear. They, they do that to depress you. They do that to discourage you. They do that to distract you. So that you become combat ineffective in your life. Yes, you can discipline yourself. You can clean up. But if the data isn't deleted, if it's still there, it can be a problem. Maybe it's the data that your teacher gave you, telling you that you'll never make anything of yourself. Maybe it's the data of, of a parent who didn't love you that makes you feel like nobody ever really truly will. Maybe it's the data of a, of a past failure that makes you feel as if you're going to be doomed if you try. Maybe it's the data of a friend or someone you love that walked out on you, making you feel like you're always alone and that you're unlovable. All those data strings are still in your hard drive. And, and, and you, you can try to delete them, but they're there corrupting your thoughts. And the only way to truly get rid of bad data off a hard drive is to write over the drive with good new files. It's the only way. Anybody in IT knows that's true. That's the only way of destroying them. Again, it's not bad to try to delete bad things from our life. But again, filling is better. Filling is with good. Jesus says, you are loved with an everlasting love. Jesus says, you will never be alone. He is always with you. His word says, you will not be rejected. Instead, you are chosen and precious in God's sight. His word says, you are valuable, so valuable that you're made in his image, in the image of almighty God. And the son of God gave his life for you. If you don't fill your cup with good data, rewriting the demonic data, you will have plenty of strings that they can pluck like guitar strings, creating fear, depression, and joylessness in your house. You know, demons can even be in there plucking if you appear to have your world in order. They do silent music 
Maybe nobody else sees it, but you never risk anything for God. You never do anything to serve God or others. You never have gospel conversations because you might offend somebody else's demon. We, we can become so used to them constantly plucking that string of fear. You believe fear is the right order for your life. We, 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 we all kind of can take on demonic activities, our identities, I'm sorry, identities. We can start to just think, oh, I'm a fearful person. I, I'm a depressed person. I'm an angry person. I'm a a sinful person. But friends, that's not who you are. That's not who you want to be. It's not who God has called you to be. It's simply a bad data string that the demonic is playing with or playing you with. How can a sick computer with bad data clean up all the false data that corrupts it and get things back in order? possible isn't it i like the water and as jesus said these things a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which you nursed the woman is so impressed with jesus and his parables and she she responds with a little corrupted data but she's responding in a good way from her culture she knows how to praise someone like Jesus is to praise how good he was raised, how, how good his mother was. She's not trying to be disrespectful, even though it seems like Jesus rebukes her. The, the problem is their software update has not been completed. She has become so full of his word that she has the courage now to praise him publicly without fear while a lot of religious men remain silent, not taking in his words and inwardly grumbling in their fears and jealousies. What she said was true. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus' aunt Elizabeth, full of the Holy Spirit herself, at the sight of Mary with Jesus in their womb, said, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed means happy, means fulfilled but then jesus says to this woman blessed rather are those who hear the word of god and keep it see jesus is not saying the woman is wrong what he is saying is there's something even more right that she needs to pay attention to he's rewriting her old software even today we tend to praise parents of children who seem to be ordered and well-behaved in life. And we give the parents credit. But friends, goodness does not come from the parents. It comes from God. And we can't even blame parents for the bad behavior of their children because evil rebellion is not the parents' fault. God gave everything to his kids. Adam and Eve, they sinned. And then they raised two sons who one murdered the other. The problem of sin is that we hear God's word and we don't keep it. Good parents can tell their kids all the right things and the kids rebel and disobey. See, Mary did play a significant role in in Jesus' earthly life. She has played a significant role in, in my life and all of your lives who believe in Jesus. But those good works she did, being a good mom to Jesus, were not the reason 
for her blessedness. And our good behavior is not the reason for our blessedness. And if we have bad behavior, we can't blame the past. Jesus' Aunt Elizabeth also prophesies the reason for Mary's blessedness. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Luke 1.45. What gave her joy, what took away her fear and her sadness was what she believed about God's word, that she had a deliverer inside her. Mary was now not just a desperately poor girl, maybe 14 or 15 years old, who escaped to her village because of the shame, to to see her aunt because she got knocked up in some kind of suspicious circumstances from everybody's point of view. Her faith, though, in this moment, overwrote her desperate state, her state of being alone, her, her state of being shamed by her village. She now believed in the goodness of God to her. And that filled her heart with the fact that she was highly favored by God, which which gave her joy to proclaim, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Joy was there because she was literally filled with God and his spirit. And joy was in in Elizabeth because she also was filled with God. Jesus is, is saying there is something greater, a greater good than how you were raised. It's faith in me. And if you weren't raised well, there's something that overwrites that as well. Many religiously falsely worship Mary as good or God. But friends, she's not the strong man to defeat Satan. The death of Jesus is. Jesus wanted to make sure that nothing distracted the religious audience by what this woman had said, thinking that good works like hers were, or Mary's were necessary to be favored by God. Mary's goodness is not to be worshipped. It's idolatry to worship her. Honor her, yes, honor her. Worship her, no. Jesus clarifies what is really important. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Jesus is making it really clear that our power over our enemy is not our good behavior, our good works to clean ourselves up on the outside and do good things. It's trusting in the uncorrupted software of his word. Jesus himself in Luke 4 defeats a direct assault by Satan, not by fantastic supernatural means, by displays of his great power, but by simply holding, guarding the word of God in his heart and mind. 
the ordinary demonic is defeated in a pretty ordinary way. Filling yourself, flushing out lies of the enemy with God's truth. Then we become free to be blessed, joyful, peaceful in life. When we simply just fill ourselves with his truth of his word to ride over the lie of that virus. Blessed, rather, are those that hear the word of God. The Bible says, so faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. We, we must be filled with this word to even have faith. We, 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 the word has to come into us. We don't have faith by ending sin. We do not have the power to remove sin by, our, by, by ourselves. Faith. Jesus says we must hear the word and keep it. Keep is a very strong word. It means to guard means to obey. It means to keep it safe inside of you, to, to, to treasure it. His word must abide in you. It must be constantly filling your mind and rewriting and transforming you. It can't just be religiously applied topically on the outside. It must change you from the inside out. We guard, don't we, and protect what we love? Mary was blessed or happy or joyful and without fear because, not because of her circumstances, but because she treasured God's word in her heart. Friends, do you want to live without fear? Do you want to have joy? Do you want to have happiness? Then, then change your focus from guarding and ordering your own house to hearing his word and keeping it, which will really protect your house. The, the, the religious believe in God, but so do the demons, and they shudder in fear. But, but when you are filled with his perfect love, it, it casts out your fears. Today, are you thirsty to be less anxious, to, to be more joyful and, 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 and happy? Then today, fill your heart with the gospel and, and, and keep filling it daily. Stand on the fact that you have been loved since before the foundations of this world. That before you ever sinned, Jesus planned with the Father to come and wash away your sin by his own goodness through his sacrifice. Surround yourself with the truth of his gospel that says, For while we were still weak, at the proper time, Christ died for the ungodly, not for the perfect. He did not die for the cleaned up and in order. Sinner, come to him. Let his righteousness cover your sins and your shame. Let him flush you out. Let him make you new again. Start filling your mind with whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy. And that is the sinless son of God, Jesus. It would be like a helmet protecting your mind from all that is unholy. Believe today by faith what he has done for you. Accept the grace of God that his son loved you and that he gave his life for you on a Roman cross, destroying forever the power of Satan, destroying forever the power of death. And then he proved that 
He was the stronger man when he walked out of the tomb three days later, conquering it all. Let your faith in what he has done be a shield to protect your house from any more attacks. His gospel is the power of God. Nothing can separate you from his love. Follow him. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is his word. Keep it. Hold it. Hold tight. Do not turn from the right or the left. Obey it and you will be free, joyful, fearless, and happy in this life and forever. Drink him in. Fill yourself every day and you will abide in true blessedness. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Let us hold it and keep it in our hearts. Your word is true. Your word is pure. It's, it's light. It's, 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 it's that light that will dispel the darkness. Father, let your Holy Spirit come into us right now. Lord, let it convict us of our sin. Let us let it expose the, the dirty spots, but we don't have to clean it. Lord, let your, let your righteousness fill us and wash it away. Fill us. Let the Holy Spirit convict us of how good and righteous you are, that your living water is enough to take away the past. It's enough to take away the present. It's enough to take away everything that tries to corrupt us. Oh, Lord, let us call out to you right now. Let the Holy Spirit convict us that it's time right now, that we do not need to delay, that now is the time to be clean, not sometime in the future. Lord, let's come clean. And the only way we can come clean is to come to you. You said, if anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. Lord, Father, I pray that the people would come to you this morning and put their faith and put their trust in you. For you are the only true cleaner. You have conquered the grave. Do an amazing work right now in this room. Fill this place with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Let there be no room for sin. Flush it out, Lord. Let there be no room for fear. Let your perfect love fill this place as we worship you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing right now in this place. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Today, why don't you stand and let's sing. Let's, let's fill our hearts with the love of God. And, and as you sing, if you feel led and you want to pray with somebody, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, come, come, come and pray with me. Let him fill you by the power of his Holy Spirit.